My God, it smells of feet in here. I mean, it just it just hits you immediately, doesn't it? It's hot, like feet fog right up your nose. You're being a right floppy cock, Rebecca. Why haven't you told Ted yet? Oh, I'm going to. When? Imagine doing something unforgivable to someone who doesn't deserve it and then having to look them in the eye and tell them what you've done. I don't have to imagine. I've done it. Year eight, I took a shit in Joanna Wellington's locker. I apologised. I was uninvited to her birthday party and then we patched it up a week later. Just fucking tell him. Sorry, why did you do a shit in her locker? I don't know. I was 13. What? Teenage girls are, like, mysterious and dark and dangerous. Welcome to another episode of the Revisited Podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Kristen. Uh, This week we are covering Ted Lasso, Season 1, Episode 9, All Apologies by Nirvana. You got through it. You got through it. (laughs) All Apologies. It's been in my head all day. (laughs) Has it? Yeah. It's a good album. Yeah. (laughs) It's Nirvana. I, I know. Yeah. Uh, so we missed last week and we apologize for that, but it was Thanksgiving weekend and there was a lot of between shuffling of dinner schedules and family schedules and plane schedules. Yeah. (laughs) I hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving though. So I did. Thanksgiving? I did. Um, the food was really good. Uh, I had a lot of fun and I know that next year's Thanksgiving will be even better. Yes, it will, because you're <laughs> going to be with me. <laughs> yep. The plans are already in effect. I'm very, very happy about that. So I've already made the commitment to do it. Uh, I haven't told my my friend who I usually spend Thanksgiving with yet, but uh, I'm sure he'll understand. Well, our Thanksgiving is awesome because we wear pajamas. <laughs> Sold. And we, and we eat all day. Sold. I will just have to make a stop at a store to get my ingredients for my mac and cheese. Perfect. Don't be yeah. uh, don't be offended if I don't like it. <laughs> you don't eat mac and cheese? Oh, no. You're a blue box mac and cheese. Blue box only, girl. <laughs> you, will, you will at least have to try. I'll, I'll try it, of course. But I am the most basic person ever when it comes to this <laughs> one dish. I don't know why. In fact, I want mac and cheese right now. That we're talking about <laughs> that it. That we're talking about it. We buy it in bulk at Sam's Club. Like I just yeah. love it so much. I have a couple boxes in my in my cabinet. I'm not gonna lie. The blue box is just it's a childhood classic. Well, it wasn't until I was well into my teens that I actually <laughs> realized that mac and cheese was actually something that people made at home. <laughs> you thought it was just a box food? Yeah. Oh. Totally. Well, I'm not from the South. I'm from California. So I just, it's not something that people make out there. And so I just grew up thinking that. They don't make mac and cheese out West? I, I mean, they probably do now because there's lots of transplants there, but we're not a mac and cheese people. I I just realized, I don't remember who it was, 
but somebody had messaged me on Facebook after we had this conversation last time about Thanksgiving foods. <laughs> and they were like, you guys were making me so hungry and we're already doing it again. <laughs> I could talk about food all day long. Seriously. I love food. Me, That's why me when too. anybody's like, oh, let's go on like this diet or that diet. I'm like, but I don't want to restrict myself ever. I like all the food. I, I am trying to diet though. So we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah. January. So, Talk to me in January. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I have to start by saying, um, contrary to what Coach Beard says in this episode, I did not pay the man to bite his butt. That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Nate's reaction to that was my favorite. <laughs> but the fact that he was like, no, no, Ben paid. Ben paid. I was like, uh, no, I didn't. Did not. <laughs> Did not pay. I so there, there there were two major notes I wanted to make sure I said at the top. That was one of them, and the other one is, what does a British owl say? Okay, so why didn't we get the end of that joke? <laughs> I waited the whole time. I want and I watched it a second time just to make sure that I didn't miss it. And I I looked. Uh, it's funny because I looked on Reddit. And? I don't think we ever no. I mean, I like I looked on like the Ted Lasso Reddit specifically yeah. to see if we ever get the punchline to that joke. Yeah, it is completely unresolved. So, what's the punchline to the joke? I, if I had to guess, because they were all giving their own guesses, like there was no actual answer. I would say it's whom instead of who. That would be That's my a guess. Stupid one. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is. That would be incredibly unsatisfying. And unlike Ted, to to leave us with a joke Hanging. that unsatisfying. Well, and that should tell us, you know, a little bit about, you know, that there is a definite like ADHD quality to this episode. <laughs> yes. You know, it's just like there's a lot going on. Like Rebecca's on her apology tour and Ted's trying to figure out what to do about Roy and Beard gets back with his girlfriend, but kind of, but like, and also yells at Ted and Nate, Nate even stands up to Ted and runs away from him. And <laughs> Keely is, is, you know, talking about her vibrator. Like there's <laughs> just so there for 31 minutes, they really pack in a lot of story. Yeah. So you know what? Let's let's dive into it then, um, and talk about and talk about stuff. And and as usual, as per usual, uh, we will let you know we're going to try and steer clear from spoilers as much as possible for those of you that are watching for the first time. And ordinarily, we do do a spoiler uh, section at the end, but we discussed it beforehand. I don't think we have anything for it this week. Mm -mm. So we're probably going to skip it this week. So you don't have to worry about looking at the show notes this week to find out when we're coming back because we're going to bypass the spoiler territory. Um, it's and, and, and I see it. I understand it because this episode, they're trying to resolve a number of this season's setups mm -hmm. because next episode is the season finale. This is episode 10. It is the finale of season one. So there's not really a lot to look I mean, if we really tried to, we could find stuff to go spoiler for, but there's not really a reason to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only thing really, and, and this isn't really a spoiler, you can edit it out later if you want to, but, you know, the, the only thing I can see 
being a potential spoiler, and it really isn't, is we see Higgins on his upright base for the very first time, and it just goes to later Higgins and his love of music. Well, I mean, there's that. But we've already I mean, talked about that. We've already talked about that. There's there's other, I mean, the only other two things that I think of that we could have gone into spoilers if we wanted to is we could talk about Rupert and Bex and the future of that relationship, and we could talk about Roy's future because we kind of see him struggling in this episode to keep up with the rest of the team. So you can put one, two and two together to realize, okay, his time with the team is probably coming to an end relatively soon. What does his future hold? Mm-hmm. And we could dive into that as well, but I don't think there's a reason to in this episode. Right. I agree. <clears throat> so we're going to skip. Go. Spoil- yeah. There was your spoilers. Yeah. Without <laughs> talking spoilers. Yeah. There um, you go, guys. So, you know, I'll, I'll start it off, too, because, you know, I did mention we get to see Roy struggling because the opening of the episode is Roy sitting in what is relatively a garbage can. Uh, it looks so miserable in there. And in an ice bath, which is what athletes do. <laughs> Somebody order a Roy on the rocks. Um, you know, when we see Ted come in because Roy is sitting there, he's watching the news reports and he's. The news reports are saying that he's he's slowing down. He feels it in his bones. That's why he's in an ice bath. And, you know, Ted comes in to to comfort him a little bit. Like, you mm-hmm. know, he, he's checking up on Roy, which is just one. That's what a coach does. That's what a coach should do. But at the same time, like you would expect nothing less of Ted. Mm-hmm. That's it's just, like, uh, what, what did he say? Woody Allen playing the clarinet. <laughs> I have that. I have in my quotes. You beating yourself up is like Woody Allen playing the clarinet. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it. I love the the you know outright symbolism of the trash can that he's in because he obviously feels like garbage. Yeah. Right. And he played like garbage, and now he's in a garbage can, you know, nursing his garbage body. Which is so appropriate if you know a little bit more about Brett Goldstein, because Ted even says it too. Ted says it at one point. It's another one of the quotes. He says, look at you in there looking like a brunette Oscar the Grouch. (laughs) Um, But he, if you know anything about Brett Goldstein, he is a huge fan of the Muppets. (laughs) And there is a picture online of, and I'll have to see if I can find it um, to show you. There is a picture of Brett Goldstein online with Oscar the Grouch, and they're both in garbage cans. I love that. It is. It's such a good. I think I made it my Facebook cover photo at one point, too. I can't remember if I did or not, but he is such a fan of the Muppets. So to hear Ted call him a brunette Oscar the Grouch, I thought was just it made me laugh because I know that about Brett Goldstein. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I you know, and and I, I, I kind of love the fact that we've got this new generation of the team coming in while he's in his own, um, you know, self-inflicting misery. You've got Danny Rojas that just comes in and he's just like, hola, amigo, la, 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 football is life. And then he just starts singing in the background. And Roy's just like, I hate everything and everybody. And he just goes back under the water, which... 
I've tried to do that in an ice bath before, and I I can't even imagine like that whole situation is just <laughs> completely out of my realm of possibility. I, <laughs> I don't relate at all. It's a shock to the system when you go under the water, either in an ice bath or a hot tub. I, like either either one, when you go underneath the water, it's like a shock to the system. Ice bath in particular because the heat escapes from the top of your head. Mm. So when you cover that up with cold water like that, it's like you're you're. It's a shock to the system, but that's what it's meant to do, right? You know. Um, well, but, in this this whole episode is a series of shocks to the system. If you really think about it. Yes. I mean, we yeah. start that episode with Roy doing that to himself. But when you look at when you look at the the direction of the episode, you've got um you've got Rebecca getting one of the biggest shocks of her life that goes right into her confessing to Ted, which is a shock to his system about everything that happened there. You've got um you've got Roy that is getting his shock to the system about the fact that his football career is, is more than likely ending. I mean, it's just this series of like waves of, and then you have beard that yells at Ted. Yeah. I was dead. That was the other one I was going to bring up too is beard shocking. Like Ted getting another shock to his system from beard kind of lashing out. Yeah. At Ted for the first time. Yeah. Um, you know, because these two have been together for a number of years, and and this takes him so much by surprise that mm -hmm. this is probably the first time this has happened. Sure looks like it. Um, going back, though, to the opening, the, the cold open with them in the locker room, you mentioned Danny Rojas, and then he goes up on the yeah. treadmill. Do you know what song he's singing? No. He's singing the opening to Ted Lasso. Oh, because he is? That's, that's why he goes, see, and then it goes into the yeah from the opening of the theme. That is amazing. I didn't <laughs> yeah. even notice that. I got to go back and watch. That's he awesome. Is, he is singing the, Mum the Marcus Mumford opening to Ted Lasso, and it transitions from him doing the see into the yeah of the theme music. I love that. It's so cleverly done, but and it's, it's and it's if you're not paying attention, it can be easy to miss. Apparently, I was not paying attention <laughs> either time that I watched this episode. Yeah. So that was that was a lot of fun when I got to see that as well. That was fun. Um, let me see. What else do we have? Yeah, because I have Danny singing the theme music. Uh, so let's talk about, you know, we, we get we talk about shocks to the system, and I think that's a good way to kind of approach this episode because you mentioned the shock to the system that Rebecca gets from Rupert, but I think she gets another one a little bit before that because when she's doing the photo shoot, uh, you know, Ted comes in and gives her the biscuits and Keely comes in and pulls her aside and they have their conversation. Mm -hmm. And I didn't write down any of the conversation about how Keely shit in somebody's locker. Um, that was hilarious. That was absolutely hilarious. Although I'm pretty sure if you're listening to this podcast, it's I haven't at the time we're recording, I haven't chosen it yet, but it is probably the clip that I put at the beginning of yeah. the episode. So uh, why'd you take a shit in her locker? <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I was 13, 13 girl, 13 year olds are mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> but she but Rebecca does kind of get a little bit of a shock to the system when you know, Rebecca is saying, 
you know, it, I, I, it, you know, what, what does it matter what people think? And, you know, Keely kind of answers, and I'm paraphrasing obviously, but you know, she says, Keely responds with, it would change the way I think about it would you. change the way that sh- she said it would change the way I feel about that's you. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It would change how I feel about you. Yeah. And then she walks off and that's kind of really a big shock to yeah. Rebecca because I think it's honestly the first time in for Rebecca in a while that she realizes it matters mm-hmm. what somebody mm-hmm. thinks about her. Especially someone that she is considering a friend. Yeah. You know, um, with Higgins, Higgins at this point is just her employee. So she can rationalize the way that he told her off and kind of toss him to the side. But with Keely, she doesn't employ her. You know, Keely is, is a friend. Keely is expects nothing from Rebecca in return at all. Yeah. And except for friendship, honesty, integrity, the you know, the pillars of 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 what you should be as a person and especially as a friend. And and Keely holds these uh values very dear to her because I think that the one thing that she's always had is her integrity and her honor and her honesty. And she expects that from others as well. And when Rebecca doesn't um deliver on that, Keely is all Keely is just like, look, man, I don't need you in my life. You know, I think that Rebecca's not used to people not needing her in her life and just telling her as it is. So that is definitely, I think, the beginning of Rebecca trying to make things right with Ted. And her first attempt just goes horribly. She she completely Ted Lasso's. Let's think about the etymology of procrastination. <laughs> Pro, I mean that's good. (laughs) (laughs) But I love, but what I love about that scene too, because that was actually probably one of the next things we were going to go into, is you know her making the attempt to come clean to Ted. Right? Is like you're. She goes. She goes complete Ted in that moment. In that (laughs) she just just starts rambling off. But I love at that moment, like Ted's just kind of taking it in. He's watching it and she's like, do you have a dictionary? He's like, not on me. Are you doing okay? Like he, <laughs> he knows <laughs> that, that there's something going on with Rebecca. It's wonderful too, because I don't think that Ted gets a dose of Ted very often. And yeah. Ted is getting like an idea of what he must sound like to others <laughs> yeah. in that moment. Yeah. He's kind of like, this is, this is what I sound like. It's terrible. But, but what I love about that too, and it's also more to the endearingness of Ted, is that like he said, like he's just kind of take, he's just listening. Yeah. He asks if she's doing okay, but he doesn't pressure her. Mm-hmm. He's just like, you doing all right, and then just lets her, lets her kind of go. <laughs> and then she's like, can we do this later? And he's like, sure, I'll just back up and does the whole. That was awesome <laughs> with the wave and the thing with the chair. Yeah. And it was just the, the ears behind the hands behind his ears. Just the whole thing was just masterfully done. I, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, uh, I love seeing this. It's such an interesting point in the series because at least this is the last time we're getting this is that we've seen this friendship start to bud between Rebecca and Ted because of everything that happened in, in Liverpool. And, you know, we're, we're seeing this friendship kind of come together, but still yet, at least not until a couple minutes more into the episode, we still haven't met Rebecca. 
Well, we right. we've met her, but she's still in hiding a little bit. We haven't met Sassy's Rebecca yet. But, well, bec- we we did get a we get to meet her a little bit in Liverpool with the singing of the karaoke and such. Mm-hmm. But she's kind of gone back into hiding. She has a cloud over her head that she's hiding in the shadow of. She's still in her tall tower. Yes. And it's not until very shortly after this scene with her and Ted and Rebecca's office that that changes. And, you know, you want to talk about a shock to the system. This is I, I've I've seen this episode so many times. And I still think I get emo- I get so emotional at this scene. Rupert because, is just a piece of shit. Well, I mean, and that's just it. Like, we, if there's ever, it doesn't matter how horrible Rebecca has been in some of the actions that she's taken up to this point, you cannot help but feel for Rebecca in this scene. Like, mm. you instantly feel horrible, as bad as she does, because Rupert is, like you mentioned, that big of a piece of shit. And it's not just the fact that he's having the baby with Bex, that he admits, you know, he tells her that. It's the way he says, I just didn't want to have a baby with, and then he backs up. That's a stab to the heart. He, He did that because he wanted to hurt her. You know, oh, I didn't want you to, I, you needed to hear it from me. No, you just wanted to see her face. You just wanted to see her face. It's like he, he, it's like he was having a baby to get back at her for taking the club. And that just shows what, what a horrible, despicable human he is because he's bringing a new life into the world as a, as an FU to his ex-wife. Which which is which when you think about it yeah he's bringing a new life into this world which so he's using he's not just using the baby he's using bex it's gross he's yeah. gross it is it is horrible he is an he is the character that will not be redeemed no you know never. there's just n- nothing that uh, i don't know there is, i uh, there mm. is one moment in the show where you th- they lead you to believe there might possibly be a little bit of redemption. Um, and I'll just say the words food fight and leave it at that. Oh yeah. Um, but outside of that moment, yeah, there is never a moment where there is any redemption for Rupert. Right. And you're right. He is an absolutely disgusting person. And like I said, you feel as an audience member, you feel that stab. That Rebecca is feeling because I, that is when I start to get emotional. And I I think it hits me more now knowing the person that Rebecca is. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, one, one of the, one of the great things about this scene though, or the outcomes of this scene is that you see her non-verbally realize it doesn't matter what she does to this club. It doesn't matter what she does. Um, where she is at that point, Rupert is never going to be hurt by her. There is nothing that she can do. And he, that, that, that's going to hurt him. And he's doing the same thing to her that she was trying to do to him with his football club, except he, she sees how despicable it is to bring, 
to bring a baby into the world just to spite her. And in that moment, I think she realizes how truly awful she's been. And that doesn't even measure up to how awful Rupert continues to be. That's a good way to look at it. I never really saw it that way in that she is seeing Rupert use other people to get back at her. And that makes her realize the actions that she's been doing the same way and how it's been hurting others. Because her next words are her apology to Ted. And it is one of the most heartfelt moments of the whole season. And the things that she says is directly related to how Rupert was making her feel and, and seeing his actions and how it has affected her and how he has used other people to do it. And so she realizes in that moment just how truly wrong she's been. She knew she had to apologize to him. She knew that she what she was doing wasn't right, but she didn't know how profoundly wrong she really was until that moment. Well, and I also think there's a combination of that and the fact that in this moment right now, she's been hurt so much that I don't think she thinks it can hurt anymore. So she has nothing left to lose at this point. Yeah, she's at her bottom. She's she's hit the bottom. Yeah. She's hit the bottom. So it doesn't matter if she comes clean to Ted now or not, and it costs her everything. She feels in that particular moment, she has already lost it all. Which is interesting because just a few hours prior to this, she was at a photo shoot for women in football. Yeah. And- you know, just going about her day thinking everything was, you know, the way that it should be and who cares about any of this. And then, yeah, and then you see uh, just a few short hours later her have her own, you know, I I call it a come to Jesus moment, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Where she's just like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? What have I done? You know? Yeah. It's it's just, it's because you're right. The, The moment Rupert leaves that office, the first thing she does is she walks down to the locker room with no regard to what's happening in the locker room because they do a great job of showing us two male asses. Butts. Lots of butts. Yeah. Um, But she's oblivious to it all because she has a destination. Right. Walks right past it, right into Ted's office and says, you know, I have a, you know, we need to talk. And the first words out of her mouth are, I'm a total bitch. And yeah. Ted's like, well, well, that's new. That's new. I loved that. Well, that's new. But I mean, like, and one of, and again, like I said, how like we feel for Rebecca when she's face to face with Rupert. This is the prime example of how this show does a great job of being able to make you feel absolutely gutted emotionally into and just completely turn it around on a dime to make you feel better. Yeah whether it's making you feel sad and then laughing or making you sad and then happy. This show has a number of moments of throughout the series. And I think this is really the first major one. It's a hopeful show. And the reason why it's a hopeful show is because of Ted Lasso. And he yeah. proves just how remarkable he is in the moment that he forgives her. You know, and he's just, he just says divorce is hard, makes us do crazy things. I mean, they're both broken and trying to repair themselves with this football club. 
And I think this is the episode where they decide that they're going to also lean on each other to repair themselves by repairing each other. And that's really where their friendship starts to solidify and grow. Um, it's really, it's a very, very beautiful episode for the two of them and where their characters will now eventually go from here. Yeah. we. I mentioned earlier how we've met the real Rebecca, but she's still in hiding. She's no longer in hiding now at this point. That- no, in fact, you see later at the end of the episode, she is offering to share her biscuits with with Higgins. Yeah. That's a to me, that was a lot that was huge growth. Yeah. But I, I what I love about, you know, going back to the scene with with Rebecca and Ted is you know, you mentioned how, you know, they're both broken people. Ted knows it. I mean, and Ted also will easily admit because he does to Rebecca. He tells her, like, this job you gave me saved, changed my life. Yeah. He And he knows it. He knows what that being in that position means to him. And he's not going to throw it away by holding a grudge because of what she did. Mm-hmm. He's done crazy things because of what he's been going through with Michelle. So he sees it. He sees it from the other side. And then he's very easily willing to forgive. I think that that's just in Ted's nature, though, is to forgive. I mean, you see everything, you know, that he goes through. I mean, he forgave Michelle for divorcing him. Yeah. Almost immediately. You know, we see later um, in, in the in the series how he forgives others that have wronged him. And I think that that is just, it's such an incredible sign of strength when someone is able to forgive another person and move on in the way that Ted does. You know, personally, I'm not that quick to forgive. It's very difficult for me to forgive somebody. And I wish that I was like Ted. I wish that I was able to be a goldfish, you know? Well, well, we said this about Ted very early on in the podcast is that, you know, where for most people who live by that old adage that, you know, to, to get respect, you have to give respect. Mm -hmm. Ted is built differently. Mm -hmm. Ted gives you respect from the start until you give him a reason not to have it. And then he He, still respects you. And then even still, yeah. Like, cause we'll see that coming up with some characters who really wrong him. Ted still holds no ill will. He still is rooting them on. Yeah. You know, and to be like that, to even just strive to be like that is a really, really incredible feat. So, uh, you know, I just love the way that that this entire scene was written. I love that um, that Ted just kind of lets it go. And he's like, hey, it's good to see you. Come on down here. You know, well, you bring, and that's. And you that's bring one pizzazz of my, to the room or whatever. <laughs> that's one of my favorite lines from this entire scene is the very end yeah. when he says, it's good to see you down here. You li- you should come down here more often. You liven up the place. Yes, that's what, yes. I'm like, man, like that's such a, because it, and it, because he ends the scene by making Rebecca smile. Yeah. And she needs that. And yeah. she has unknowingly surrounded herself with amazing people. Well, because look at what the, Rebecca's next action is after that. She goes to Higgins. That was a big one for her. And, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier about how she kind of looked at Higgins as just an employee and she was okay with it. I kind of have some notes on that because for her to go, you know, we we saw in the last episode 
where she tells Higgins, we used to be friends. Mm -hmm. There was a friendship there. Mm -hmm. And I think it's always been there, but it kind of got buried a little bit. And then Higgins wronged her. He did. Higgins, we can't forget this. Higgins wronged her. Now, she wronged him right back and she put him in an uncomfortable position over and over and over again. And she needed to apologize to him. He did apologize to her last episode and it was genuine and heartfelt. So he has done that, but she has to forgive him just as much as he has to forgive her. There is a definite, um, you know, mending of fences that needs to happen there. And we, and we, and we absolutely get that in this scene. We see Rebecca go to Higgins's house mm-hmm. and she seeing her laughing at Higgins playing the upright bass with the Van Dyke on his face. It's which called a Van Dyke after the me- 17th century <laughs> Flemish painter. Uh. And, and I think it makes me feel how I look. Chill. Chill. <laughs> oh, I dropped my microphone. I'm so sorry. Because <laughs> he's just, he looks like he's a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. And and my favorite line from that scene, too, and this is the moment, too, where I, re- like, I think where you realize the friendship that Rebecca and Higgins had has always been there. Mm-hmm. They were, it was just going through a rough patch. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that moment where you you kind of like you you start to realize okay we're we're shaking everything off we're friends again and it's when it's when Rebecca Rebecca says to Higgins how does Mrs Higgins feel about it and he's like she hates it with a white hot intensity <laughs> about his Van Dyke and they both laugh about it mm-hmm. Rebecca love laughs there. And Higgins laughs back. And yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. There is absolute love between the two of them. Mm-hmm. It's always been there. It's yeah. just been kind of sidelined. Well, they've been mad at each other. And, yeah. you know, the British are so fucking polite that you just like everybody just dances around their feelings until finally you have a big explosion like like they had. You know, yeah. and so even when they're mending fences, they're still polite. You know, gosh, I love British people. I really do. I love the Brits. I love I, them. I also love in that scene too how when they're sitting there face to face in Higgins' li- living room, you hear the bass <laughs> note every once in a while to add tension, <laughs> yeah. and then you realize it's Higgins, right? <laughs> As he's like just death staring her down yeah. with it's his not- Van Dyke. <laughs> It's not part of the soundtrack. It's actually Higgins just strumming one string on the upright. And it's just, (laughs) God, it's so well done. And Mm -hmm. I I love it. I love Higgins. I, you know, on this watch, I'm having a lot of fun with watching Higgins, you know, because he's such a background character in the first season. But when you rewatch the the season, he's just so delightful and wonderful. And you can just see how flushed out his character is from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just, it's a joy to watch. Well, I mean, and not just for Higgins too, but there's so much about every character that the more you watch and the more you see it all flesh out, yeah. you know, fl- you know, and come to come to the surface, you realize like how how well this show is written. Mm-hmm. 
and how much they had all a lot of this established from the moment of conception for the Mm -hmm. show and they took their time getting to it 100 percent. they had their story to tell they didn't and we've said this before obviously but they they didn't veer off from that story that they had to tell yeah I mean, I, I know when this show ended after season three, so many people were like, no, we want more. We want more. And I was I was one of them. But the more we rewatch this series and the more we kind of dive into it every week, the more I, I kind of like, you know what? I'm good. Like, it, yeah, wouldn't have been great to get more AFC Richmond into like a third or fourth season and see Ted stay behind and get more series, like get more stories out of that. Yeah, maybe. But knowing, you know, from... Uh, you know, from, uh, uh, oh God, Brendan, I can't remember. Brendan Hunt. Sorry, Beard. Um, You know, knowing that Sudeikis and Hunt, you know, they had this, they knew from the start this was a three-season story. I'm kind of glad we're not getting more because I don't want to take away from it. No, no, I still want more. Sorry. (laughs) If we get a spinoff of sorts, I'm okay with that. But I think... Ted's story has been told by the And I don't accept that. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, I appreciate your closure (laughs) and acceptance and blah, 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 blah. No, (laughs) I need more. (laughs) I want more. I will never stop wanting more. (laughs) Maybe my perspective will change by the time we're into the third season. And I'm like, nope, I want more now. Yeah, you're going to be there. Yeah, you're going to be there. Don't worry. You'll get there. Maybe it's just because we're back in season one that I'm kind of like, eh, I'm okay. I'm satisfied. So, um, but so we talked about Rebecca and Ted. We talked about Rebecca and Higgins. Um, let's talk about Roy for a little bit. Let's talk about Roy. <laughs> Cause there's some stuff here for Roy too that, uh, I think so far that this in, in season one, this is Brett Goldstein's best episode. You think so? Yes. I think he's wonderful. I just think he, he's he's so wonderful in this episode. I mean, we really see him go through an arc. He is at his very lowest cur- professionally in the very beginning. He's in this garbage can of ice. <laughs> and, you know, then he learns that his the coaching staff wants him to be benched, and he's having a struggle with that. So he goes to his girlfriend to you know, kind of brings him down to earth a little bit more and Phoebe kind of gets in there. And then, um, and then at the end of this, oh, and then he has that hilarious conversation with Ted in his kitchen. Um, (laughs) But then at the very end of this episode, you see him walk in, still a captain, still a boss, still has command of that locker room and announces himself in his own Roy Kent way that he is going to be on second team now. And by the way, second team just got a whole lot better, you know? (laughs) So I love the arc that we see Roy Kent go through this entire, in 31 minutes. I mean, he did such an amazing job coming to terms with the end of his career. Yeah, you're right. He's, he knows he's coming to the end and he does go through a little bit of trouble accepting it. He lashes out at Ted uh, before Ted even has a chance to say what he wants to say, because Ted is struggling with it too. Ted doesn't want to do it. 
he doesn't want to do it, but he knows it's what Beard wants. He knows it's what Nate wants. He knows it's what should be done. It's what the pub wants. Yeah. 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 Uh, Because that's what May wants, too. Um, May fucking men. (laughs) (laughs) I love May. I do, too. I love May. Beard just points at her. (laughs) Yep. It's, you know, it, it. He knows it's what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to do it. So he goes to confront Roy and Roy lashes out. I mean, you know, and I think rightfully so, but not maybe not. It's just it's one of those situations where Roy is having a hard time accepting that. And for good reason. I mean, he even tells Keely, like, I've been Roy Kent all my life. He likes being Roy Kent, is what he said. Yeah, it's yeah. just this is a major change. I mean, this is on par with a 30, 40 year old marriage coming to an end. This mm-hmm. is on, you know, th- this is. This is identity. Yeah. This is an identity change. Exactly. And it's going to be a struggle, 100%. 100%. Yeah. I, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I know you're ready to say something. No, I, no. Uh, I I will say, and it's it's the last note I have. I have more notes, but it's the very last one in my list. Um, you talked about that moment in the locker room when Roy comes in and he does his Roy Kent thing and he says in his own way, he's second teams, second team's gonna kick first team's ass. I love how this episode ends. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it till the second one because when the credits started rolling, I just turned it off and moved on with my life. And Dave's like, let's see what happens here. And I'm like, for the second watch, that I never saw yeah. it before. Well, because this is the only episode, I think, in the series that ends this way. Yeah. Where there's actually stuff happening during the credit. Because usually it's black screen credits. Right, right. This time it's not. And I love that it's, it's Roy sitting down. It's the rest of the team doing their thing. But then you have, um, you know, you have Sam come up. They have their own handshake. McAdoo comes up. They have their own handshake. Like you can see the camaraderie and the relationship that Roy has with the rest of this team. He's a true team captain. And he is the last one to leave the locker room, even after Ted and Beard leave. And the last thing he does is he looks around to make sure no one's looking. (laughs) That's the best part. And then he touches the believe sign before he walks out of the locker room. Yeah, he does. And it's a sweet moment. Yeah. And then it shows that he's he's starting to believe in Ted Lasso. Yeah. He's starting to believe in Ted Lasso. And and that's exactly what it goes back to the first episode when Beard says he's going to be pissed when, oh, he'll (laughs) be furious when he goes, he's going to hate it when we win him over. (laughs) Yeah. And And they've they've won him over, you know, because they didn't force him into any situation. They led him into making his own decision. Which is what a coach should do. Right. 100%. That's what a good coach should do is you Mm – you don't just make the decision for the person or the player. You help them accept why the decision is being made. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for Roy, for somebody like Roy, who has been Roy Kent for as long as he has, yep. he needed to accept it on his own before it can be forced on him. Yeah. Well, especially I mean, especially 
Roy Kent. I mean, I think that if you were to sit down with like Sam Obasanya, right, and have this discussion with him, it would go completely different. Roy needs to figure stuff out in Roy's way on Roy's timeline. You know, just like Jamie Tart is going to go through some changes himself, mm-hmm. you know. Um, well, Jamie's every- kind of already going through those things. We just don't see it as an audience. He still has a lot more to go. Oh, um, he still has more growth to make. Absolutely. <laughs> He's got a long way to go. Um, Roy's, uh, but just, if we could just go to Roy and Ted's conversation in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, Ted's, and Ted's flat. I think it's my favorite scene <laughs> in the episode because you've got drunk Ted doing the Carlton and having tea, which he hates. <laughs> I never know how to just, react with I never know how to react when a grown man does the Carlton in front of me. He goes, This is all prank, right? <laughs> this, the tea is a prank. Like you guys aren't really drinking this like when all of us tourists leave. He goes, This is pigeon sweat. <laughs> this, is, this is pigeon sweat. I love it. <laughs> and then I love that he takes a sip and goes, ah. <laughs> Because he's totally playing with Ted yeah. in that moment. I, yeah. It's just the the relationship, like Roy Kent has always, like he was perceived in the first couple episodes as this hard ass, but like you, the more Roy we get in this season, like the more you realize he really does have a heart of gold underneath that rough, gruff exterior. Yeah. We see it with Phoebe. Like we see it with Keely and we're seeing it now more with Ted. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. just, I, I, and, and I love it. Like when it comes to the team, he has to keep up that exterior because that's the, he's the captain. He's yes. got to be the leader. He's got to be the man in charge. Um, the one to lead the team, but he's okay. Letting his guard down now a little bit with Ted. Right. Right. Which, which just makes for some great moments. Which, you know, that's the first barrier with Roy is letting down a little bit of his guard. But we still got some more to chip down with Roy, but it comes at a hilarious um in a hilarious way over the course of the next season. So I'm getting very excited about what's to come. Yeah. Well, even even still, like we saw there's a moment here where Roy actually saves Ted's life. Uh, he totally saved Ted's life, and I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. I think that that's a very low-key, uh, high-stakes moment in this episode. Like, Ted was about to die. <laughs> yeah, Ted was about to walk out into the middle of the street looking the wrong direction. When a bus was coming. And Roy puts his arm out and stops him. Yeah. Well, you know, drunk Ted doesn't make very good decisions. We've all <laughs> No, we've but all you know what? That. And you know what? That made me think, too, that, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier in earlier episodes, how they make you kind of lead to they kind of make you believe that there's a possibility Ted might have a drinking problem, which is not the case. Um, At least we're going to find out further. It's just it's not the case. I wonder if maybe they were maybe planning on something like that and were planning the seeds for it and just never followed through or realized it wasn't necessary. Or, you know, Ted was just going through a tough time and he had a couple nights where he self-medicated. And this was how he was coping. I mean, this is an adult show. We're not teaching kids anything. And True. us as adults, sometimes we self-medicate. Sometimes we have we are going through such a an awful time in our lives 
that we just want to make the pain go away. I'm not saying it's the right decision, but it is a decision that is made many times over. Yeah. And to ignore that is irresponsible. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So yeah, maybe that is just it. Maybe they're just, they weren't trying to make it look like a drinking problem. They were just showing how Ted was coping with everything that was going on. Yeah. I mean, shit, I've coped that way many times. Um, Yeah, it's been a while since I have, but I know I have Yeah, in the past. See, there you go. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to see if we were going to go anymore with Roy or if we could turn it over to Beard. Uh, let me see. Um, you know, we... T- we did mention a lot about Roy. I think we did cover most of it. Um, but I, I agree with you. That scene in Ted's flat is one of the funniest scenes of the entire episode. Um, oh, my gosh. I, when he had the, the <laughs> peanut butter fingers. I was just going to bring that up. Gag- He's like, oh, what do you have, a nut allergy? He's like, no, I've got a finger allergy. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too, Roy. Me too. And then he goes to make tea, and I'm like, I said out loud, wash your hands. What are you doing? Like, it's just so gross well what i what i love too is like he first off it's a it's a it's a reference to the open jar of peanut butter that he mentioned earlier in an earlier episode um even though roy kind of agreed where he's like yeah that's kind of a good idea and then he sees it in action he's like no no it's like never mind and um, it looked like it was crunchy peanut butter well but would not well I'm a creamy over crunchy too, but I'm okay with crunchy now. But it just looks worse. Oh yeah, it does. Is what I'm saying. Um, the fact that Ted has two day old pasta water on the stove shows his mental state. <laughs> it's pasta water. You dump it in the sink. You give it a rinse. You dry it. You put it away. And he couldn't even do that. That that like that was like look. I've learned in my experience of like watching cooking videos and everything that. Sometimes it's okay to save pasta water, but you use it immediately. Yep. <laughs> you don't no, save you don't it for two keep days. It for two days. No. And why do you have pasta water? Because I use a strainer like a normal human. Well, okay. I, I see. Ted's that, not but doing any culinary, you know, masterpieces well, in that kitchen with his I open jar s- of peanut butter. True. I was going to say they also do make pots that have strainers that you just lift out of the pot. Mm-hmm. So I could see using one of those, how the pasta water could be left behind, but it had a lid on it. Yeah. So no, he, the, you're right. How, why, why was there pasta water there? If he strained it, that's a good point. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> Because it just goes to show that he's just, you know, living a bachelor depression life. I don't know. He's just, his brain is not, even as a even as a bachelor, I have never left pasta water on the stove <laughs> for two days. Maybe I've left the pot in the sink to be cleaned for two days. Yes, we've all but, done that. But never pasta water on the stove for two days. That's horrible. Yeah. Agreed. Well, but it would have been worse if it was like hot dog water. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> eh. Let's move on to beard. Yeah. Okay. Let's do that. Um, the scene where Beard freezes out Ted 
is hilarious, <laughs> especially when they show him again and he is completely on the end of the field. Oh, like, it's going to be like that, is it? <laughs> <laughs> and Nate runs away from him. He's like, oh, are you going to do that thing where you pretend not to hear me and then you run off so that you don't have to? That's a combo. Just- <laughs> Did I get a soda with that? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that line i didn't write that one down for quotes but but again like going back to what we said at the top of the episode he says that joke and then we never get a we never get the punchline i know never maybe we get it later i don't think we do that's a bummer because again like i went on reddit I went on like a, a Ted Lasso thread on Reddit and I typed that in to see what came up. And there were a couple different posts, but it seems from what I read, I think it goes totally unresolved. We never get the punchline to that joke. Great. Yeah. I, I don't know why. British owl. Hang on. <laughs> You're going to look it up while we're talking. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to look it up right now. Does a British Oh, what does a British owl say? I have yeah, no I think, idea. I think it's going to take you to ta- I think it's going to take you to some, like some Ted Lasso threads. If yeah, it, it, there's nothing there. I mean, I would just. Oh, you never Ted Lasso quote. Wait a minute, Lassoism.com. Coach Beard. Hey, you never finished your joke, Ted. What joke, Coach Beard? What does a British owl say, Ted? Oh, right. Whom? Whom? Coach Beard. Oh, it, <laughs> Worth the wait. Season two, episode five, Rainbow. Oh, okay. So I guess we do get the res- the resolution to it. And it was whom? Okay. Whom? whom? <laughs> so, we t- the, so wait a minute. So the fact that, <laughs> that Beard remembers that. I mean, and this could be spoilery, but it's not. It's it's resolution it's a of a joke. Yeah. That's That's funny. But just the fact that, but that shows too that even though he was mad at Ted, he was still listening. Of course, he was still listening. He's Beard. Yeah. But beard I love. The... Huh? Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was I was going to go to the pub. So if you were still, that's on where I was pit. going to. Okay, good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I just I I just love Beard, just finally being done with Ted's nonsense. And really having um, having a lot of logical thought to it, you know? It's like, I was on board when it was kids, but these are professionals. And if we don't win, we get relegated. Like, he just, he broke it down for Ted, and he was so angry with Ted for not seeing the forest through the trees on this one. Because Ted is not somebody who is that singularly focused that he loses sight of what their goal is. And in this instance, he did lose sight of his goal and Beard needed to shock his system a little bit on that one. Well, yeah, because I mean, you bring all that up because it's funny as when he says that in that moment where he kind of lashes out at Ted, he slams the table, he lashes out at Ted, everything that he says, I remember hearing that and I'm like, he's not wrong. He's not wrong at all. No. No. Yeah, this is it's different now. Like Mm -hmm. these are paid professional athletes. Yeah. If they don't win, you are messing with their livelihood. Yes. 
Yes. Like, it's great that you want to be like their friend and mentor them, but they need to win. They, yeah. Like being relegated is a big deal, but it shouldn't just fall on Ted on that one. This is just as much Rebecca's fault. Absolutely. If they what? had, if they had Jamie Tart on this team, the way that he was growing and the way that he was evolving, the way that Ted had gone through, have had gotten through to him, they would most likely be in a much better situation. Agreed. 100%. So, you know, that's, not fully on Ted, but for right now, Ted needs to still realize that he is not a college um, coach anymore. He is a professional coach and mm-hmm. that, and that is different and the stakes are higher. And I think that the audience also needed to be reminded of that too, because it's not until this scene that I actually, as a viewer, I'm like, you know what? He's right. He's right. This isn't this isn't just like, oh well, if we get relegated, who cares, you know? No, these are people's careers, their their livelihood, their chance to be on other teams in the future if that's what they want to do. Um, so that was that that was a good good for Beard to speak up. He speaks up when it needs to be done. But he mostly likes to be in the background of things, observing. And I think that that's what makes Beard so wonderful is that he takes it all in and he knows when to speak up. And not a lot of people, not a lot of people have that gift. He has that gift. Yeah. But you, I mean, you, you actually hit a good nail right there too. When you said like, we even as the audience needed to be reminded, Mm -hmm. it's like, Hey, like it's all well and good that Ted is this happy go lucky, extremely positive, wants to help everybody person, but he's there to do a job. Right. We needed to, as an audience needed to be reminded of that as well. Mm-hmm. And that, that there are repercussions to them not winning. It's great that they're learning lessons, mm-hmm. but they need to win. And it's beautifully written. So, you know, hats off to all the writers in the writer room for that, for this yeah. whole episode. This whole episode is fantastic. Absolutely. Um, I also love in that scene too, how, you know, he walks over to Jane and Jane's like, that's the hottest thing I've ever seen. And he's like, get your coat. And then he says to the other guy, he's like, she's been toying with you. Checkmate. Checkmate. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got his girlfriend back. Yeah. You know, he got his mojo back. Yelled at Ted, got his girlfriend back. He he beat the, he won the game and he left. Well, Jane, Jane was winning. Well, but it also makes me realize too, that like, I think Jane was toying with that guy because she just wanted to sit there and watch Beard. Well, that's what he meant when he said she's been toying. Oh, with she's you. been toying with you. She's yeah. she. I like it that he's basically like, look, man, she's not interested. Okay, yeah. this she's, has all been a show for me. She's here for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Which who knew that the pub had a chessboard? It's it's England. I it's a proper pub. Yeah, I got to get to England. I really want to go to an English pub. I really do. On a on like a rainy day in the middle of the English countryside. Oh, I know your I know your dream because you want to sing pub songs and all that fun stuff. Yeah. I can't <laughs> wait. And I want to have shepherd's pie. Oh, fish and chips for me. I'll take one of each. Thanks. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm good with all of it. Yum yum. Um, Again, 
Food. Love it. <laughs> I think that's probably a lot of my major notes for the episode. Um, the only thing that I have is that we have, we have girls are mysterious is said twice. And I think that that is, is nice, but we have the body is a miracle, which is said (laughs) twice, which is strange. Um, and who is it? Danny Rojas says it when they're talking about food poisoning. Yes. And then later it said and i can't remember in what context it said but later it is said as well the body truly is a miracle and i think that that really goes to kind of another theme of the episode with the effect that stress and grief and um forgiveness takes on our bodies and we start off with a broken Roy in a, in a trash can. And we end with this, uh, with Roy who has gone through what looks like all the, um, all the stages of grief into acceptance. And we see a kind of a new Roy leave for training, um, at the end of the episode. And in this case, I, I truly feel like the body is a miracle because it can withstand so much. And our emotions and our state of mind take such a physical toll on us. And I think that people kind of forget what a physical toll that that emotions can take on someone's mm-hmm. body. And it's nice to be reminded through the writing that the body is a miracle in every sense of the word. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point too. I didn't really pay attention to that. Um, I kind of didn't look past the whole body as a miracle thing more than just a joke in in the line of dialogue because it is. It's just yeah, but it's it's the exact same line is said later in the episode. Yeah, and so I was like, okay, they're clearly trying to tell us something here. So I yeah. wanted to just kind of think about it and meditate on it for a little bit, and that's kind of what I came up with. We didn't really touch base either on we get a little bit more to the dynamic of Roy and Phoebe in this episode. Cause Phoebe, Phoebe is seriously just one of the, the best characters and it's more, it's the relationship she has with Roy mm-hmm. and we are far from done with that. We get so much more Phoebe um, throughout the series. And- I actually love the off screen scene that never happened that we hear about with Roy when he says, <laughs> my niece found my girlfriend's vibrator and I had to go take her to get her ears pierced and go get ice cream to wash away the memory of it. And beard and the- been there. <laughs> yeah. The whole locker room was all like, Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. We get it. <laughs> it's just, but I mean, like even in that scene too, where Keely is trying to help Roy kind of get a little bit more of acceptance, you know, where he's ready to talk about it. It's that whole conversation, how he says he likes being Roy Kent. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know. He doesn't think he can just be some bloke named Roy. And Keely brings, yeah. <laughs> you know, Keely brings Phoebe over, tells mm-hmm. her to close her eyes and describe Roy. Yeah. And it's the most adorable thing. Because not once does she say football player. Um, you know, his beard is scruffy. And he, he scratches and he feels a lot. his beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He swears a lot. And he's funny. And I love him. And I love and him. It's it's so adorable. And <laughs> he's like, see, I don't she didn't say football player once. And he's like, she's a kid. What the fuck does she know? <laughs> and, and she's like, ugh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they have a very, very cute relationship. And and I like it that we keep that she's a recurring character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. So I, I love that we get more of the Phoebe Roy dynamic. Yes. We there's so much more of that to come, and I love every moment of it. It's yeah. it's so great. Agreed. Um any any other major points to talk about? No. I'm good. All right. Um, so we're gonna bypass spoilers because we again we really don't have a lot to talk about on that. So that's gonna take us into some of our favorite quotes of the episode. We've already said a few. Um I have one. I I didn't really prepare like I usually prepare for these episodes, but one of my favorite things that Rebecca says to Rupert is you're almost 70 right now. By the time that she's what is it? by the time that she's of age, you're gonna be a pile of dust in a black Amex card. I just <laughs> thought that was hilarious. Um I have I have a I have a couple actually. Yeah, yeah. Um Somebody order a Royal on the Rocks, which I mentioned earlier when mm-hmm. Ted first walks into that. Yeah. We mentioned the you're beating yourself up is like Woody Allen playing the clarinet. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. We're gonna end uh, this season on a high. Like we're, we're gonna end this like, season like uh or no, like Willie Nelson our go- on a high. Our goal is to go out like Willie Nelson on a high. Um Roy t- or Ted telling uh telling Rebecca, I'm filing that under stinking thinking right there. Yes, I love that. <laughs> uh <laughs> if you were really introverts, you would have been quiet as a church mouse, unless that church was Westboro, Westboro Baptist. Those turkeys won't shut up. That was hilarious. <laughs> uh, you paid someone to bite you? No, of course not. Ben paid. <laughs> Which, for the record, I did not. <laughs> I, love, I love when Rebecca's sitting on the couch in front of Higgins, and she's like, there are a lot of surprises happening <laughs> <laughs> Everything that Higgins says in that scene is gold. Everything. <laughs> um, I mentioned that I never know how to react when a grown man does the Carlton in front of me. Uh, I also like what Ted's talking about the Fresh Prince of Bel Air and how he said he was going to stop watching when they switched Aunt Viv's, and he was like, "But I was always going to take a moment and sit right there." Yeah. And then he gets then he gets in a fight with his upstairs neighbor. He's like, that's been a thing all week. <laughs> Sorry, Mrs. Shipley. And then probably one of my absolute favorite lines is in the scene with Keely, uh, Roy, and Phoebe. Um, when Keely says, I don't want her to find my vibrator. He's like, yeah, that's going to be a problem. Her mom said no electronics. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's really, so a, and even uh, even the the pub trio, they even all had uh, their own special little lines too. Is that your old girl over there? Oh, that's bloody rough, or something <laughs> like that. Bloody brutal, I think he said. And then, uh, who's the big black one? Is he Jeremy? Um, no, that Paul. Paul. Okay, right? yeah. I like it when Paul goes down and he says something to him, but then he grabs Beard's beard and he gives it a tug at the very end. Yeah, kind of like a your beard, man. Shape up. <laughs> you got this. I'm looking to see if there's any. No, the, they don't have. I was looking at IMDb to see if they had any listed quotes, and they don't have any worth seeing that we we haven't already said. Yeah. Well, they're all just so wonderful. I I really I. Oh, and then May, you know, a fucking men. A fucking men. 
<laughs> I said this to you before we started recording, but this episode in particular, and even more so as we go through, has made me realize how much of a crush I have on Hannah Waddingham. It's just, I posted that on my Facebook page too. And a lot of, most of the comments are like, yeah, how can you not? She's truly wonderful. She really is. But, you know, they all are. I love every single one of these characters. Oh my gosh. The One of the best lines of the whole episode, Nate has. Nate has when he walks in, he goes, I know girls like shoes, but come on, ladies. <laughs> this is going a bit too far. And then immediately he's like, I'm sorry, that was sexist. That was sexist. And I'm starting to think to myself, that was hilarious. As a woman, <laughs> I approve it. <laughs> well, I also love a little bit later on, too, when they're back in the locker room right before Ted or right before Roy comes in. And, you know, Ted's getting ready to address the team and Beard comes in and they kind of nod as in like, yeah, we're okay. Yeah. And Nate comes in. He's like, I realize this isn't the best time to apologize, but I was losing sleep over this. And he's like, "It's it, you know what, we're, Nate, we're good. But do me a favor, apologize to me in your dream. So we're good on that side, too. I know. <laughs> I was like, pecking oh, of your course. Eyes out. I was pecking your eyes out like a crow. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Like, there's just every one of these characters are just wonderful. So great. Mm-hmm. I love Danny Rojas more and more with every minute that I get to watch him. Go back and rewatch the beginning of this scene and listen to his singing on the treadmill. I'm going to. Because I'm, I'm gonna. telling you, it is the opening. It's the opening music of the episode. I'm excited. <laughs> Actually, I might even play it for you when we're done recording, just so you can hear it. Um, but that takes us into the feedback section of the podcast. And we got some, which is always great. Anytime we get some, uh, a couple voicemails and some feed uh, feedback from Facebook as well. Uh, starting first with uh, the Facebook feedback. This one comes from Lindsay Schlicht, who's been leaving us fe- uh, feedback on the regular now, which is great. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Uh, she says, "Ugh, the episode of uncomfortableness. Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, so many uncomfortable conversations. Ted with Beard and Nate, Rebecca and Rupert, Rebecca and Keeley, Rebecca and Ted, Ted and Roy. It all worked out mostly, but as someone who hates uncomfortable conversations, this episode was itchy. <laughs> uh, bit spoilery here, so feel free to skip, and I already read it. It's not. Uh, Rebecca's obvious hurt about Rupert having a child, knowing her future storylines, story made me want to kick him in the nuts. Mm. He is the absolute worst. Mm-hmm. Quieter episode for me, but still outshines 99% of TV anyway. Yes. I agree with that completely. You know, it's not that it was, what did she call it? A, an uncomfortable, uncomfortable. episode? I think yeah. that it's just, it's, you're not having uncomfortable conversations. You're having hard conversations. Yeah, You know, you're having the conversations that you really don't want to have, but you know that you have to have them. And there's just like, there's something that I have to do later today that I don't want to do. I don't want to do it. I want to hide from it and I want to not do it. I have to do it. And once it's over, I'm going to feel so much better, but I have to get through that hard part first. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, and and I see that. But yeah, you're right. I don't think it's uncomfortable. I think it's just um, necessarily hard, necessarily difficult. I think. Yes. Yes. Is it's, a good needed. It. it's needed. It's yeah. needed for sure. Needed. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and that takes us into the voicemails that we have starting first with uh, our friend Greg. 
Hello, Revisited Cast. This is Greg. And what to say about Ted Lasso, the penultimate episode of season one? Well, while I can appreciate the um, the like the, the love for the Diamond Dogs episode, I found this one. Uh, where Rebecca gets over the hump to be more powerful and that Roy kind of embraces the team first attitude and, and all that. Uh, one of the things that really makes me love this show is the callbacks, um, and not just callbacks, but like the, the repetitive jokes, not repetitive. Um, the, the jokes that, they, they, they come back and they come back and they come back. And sometimes it's over the course of a season and sometimes it's over the course of an episode. And that's what we had here. Um, you know, Ted say teenage girls are silly and playful and mysterious. I'm talking about Rebecca and the, the football ad. Um, Keely said, I don't know. Teenage girls are dark and mysterious. I don't know why Ted did shit in her locker. And then at the end, Rebecca said, Oh, Higgins, you're, you know, maybe he thinks you're playful and mysterious because of the icing on the, the, the biscuits. I, I love it. And every time I heard the word mysterious in association with, you know, teenage girls or young girls or whatever, I was just like, man, that just, it just, it, it, it made me feel good because it, it was like, hey, this is this and this is that. Uh, another one, uh, the, bo- the body is in true, in fact, a miracle, right? It's because you can have the 180s and, uh, um, because you know, new teeth push out the old teeth. Um, and then there are some other things that I think only work either in the context of the show or maybe just with a, a British accent. Because my favorite insult in the entire show is you're being a right floppy cock, Rebecca. And I just don't think it has the same ring with an American accent as it does in a British one. Um, and probably my favorite throwaway joke in the entire series. Oh, she might find my vibrator. That's going to be a problem. I'm said no electronics. I, I was giggling incessantly the first, I don't know, half dozen times I heard that. Um, some other uh, moments that I'm sure you guys have talked about already. Uh, Rupert, my God, what a fucking twat. Uh, she, he, he told Rebecca about the, uh, uh, about the baby just so he could see the breaking in her eyes. And it, like, it was, it's just, you just realize how cruel and intentional it was. And it's so hard to watch. Uh, I'm going really long, but I'm sorry. Uh, Rebecca and what that led directly into the, uh, very much Margaret Whitlock or Whitmore or whatever her name was from major league, where she walks through the, through the, the locker room where all the guys are half dressed or whatever. Um, and I mean, I just, it, it was so powerful. Um, and you guys have talked about Ted knowing what she was doing. And I don't think that he did. I think this came as a, a true surprise to him. I think, I think, I think just based on the visuals of his face, um, once he, like, once she said it all, it made sense to her, uh, or to him, but, you know, he's been through so much in his life right now, uh, that it, I thought it was great. And I thought it was, both, both of them were phenomenal in the scene.
Uh, oh, here, here's another one. I never know how to react when a grown man beatboxes in front of me from the pilot or does the Carlton in front of me from this one. And then uh, Ted repeatedly calling people big dummy poo-poo faces. And then uh, my, my, my favorite one was the, you know, tease a, tease a prank, right? Like, you guys have to know this is horrible. I thought it was great. Anyway, uh, I am way, way over on this. But uh, thanks, guys, for covering this. And uh, sorry for no feedback the last couple of weeks. All right. Bye. <laughs> I forgot about the whole, you're being a right floppy cock, Rebecca. He's right, though. He's right about it. It sounds better when a British person says it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If anybody over here said we it. We sound it would, ridiculous. Yeah it, yeah. it sounds stupid. Yeah. Um, well, we always sound stupid anyways. I... I stand by the fact that I think Ted did know that Rebecca was up to something. I don't think he knew to the degree. Yes. I was about to say the exact same thing. Yeah. I don't, I think he was shocked because I don't think he realized the degree of what was happening. Well, Um, I think that he also went over there knowing that people were going to question this move anyways. So, I mean, he has a very thick skin, obviously, you know, and he, and so while this probably wasn't much of a surprise, I think it was a surprise that it got as far as it did. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that for sure. Yeah. Um, um I would love to have Greg on as a guest one week because I love I him and he's fantastic. And he has really good insight. Greg, you have really good insight, and I appreciate that about you. And I appreciate the fact that you will call us on what you don't agree with. So thank you. Even though we continue to disagree with you. (laughs) That's fine. I don't care. Always have to be in (laughs) agreement of everything. Never. Ready player one. What? (laughs) God, don't start. (laughs) Don't start with that one. Uh, All right. We have a voicemail from uh, Steve Brown. Hello, Ben and Kristen. This is Steve, and this is for Ted Lasso, Episode 9. All apologies. (laughs) Roy just called Danny an (laughs) a-hole. Ted's take on little girls is just hilarious. And now Keely tells this just gross story about when she was a kid and she pooped in somebody's locker. How in Ted's phone, did they say Rebecca (laughs) DeBoss? Beard has some mysterious things happen to him in his past. Paid to bite someone in the butt? Hmm. Bird is such a jerk. This is the way he tells her that his girlfriend is pregnant. Whole conversation is just, Rupert is such a jerk. Man. Waddingham is so, Waddington is so good. I mean, you can just see it in her face that holding back the tears and the, the, the eyes are, oh, great. Wow, I'm getting choked up with this. Is Rebecca coming clean about everything? Wow, and Ted forgives her. I forgot. I forgot about this conversation. It's so cool to see. And she's, they're both so good. Rojas is good perspective. (laughs) Beard and Nate both ignoring Ted. Higgins playing jazz upright bass is just incredible. Keely just said our body is a miracle. And uh, isn't that the same thing Danny Rojas just said a few scenes ago? The body is a miracle. Beard is is vocalizing something that I have had like in the back of my mind since the first time I watched this series. And this is that when they were at Kansas, they were with amateurs. They were with kids, 
even though these uh, soccer footballers are still young, most of them are, are young, they're still professional athletes. <laughs> I got a finger allergy. <laughs> the Carlton, it's so great. Running gag about the tea. <laughs> it's a prank, right? It's You know this is garbage. It's pigeon sweat. Oh, and Roy benches himself, and we get to see the locker room now. Talk to you next week. <laughs> Okay, the fact that like 30 seconds of that is this is just him giggling yeah. is amazing. Yeah. And yeah, I forgot about the opening too when 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 Roy asked Ted like is everybody gone? He's like everybody except Danny, he's still out there running trails and and Roy's like, "Oh, what a little asshole." Yeah, that's wonderful. <laughs> um I also to be better. uh forgot that I wanted to just mention from Greg's voicemail when he mentions uh, the new teeth push out the old teeth. And I think that that's another, you know, theme of this episode, you know, is that we are, we're out with the old and in with the new. And, and I, I just like the subtle ways that they wrote that into the script. Well, and it's also appropriate that it happens with a scene with Roy. Yes. You know, because that's kind of what it is. Like he's the old teeth. He's the old teeth. I mean, (laughs) Danny it, Rojas is the new teeth. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's sad to think of it in that sense, but it's kind of, it's the truth. Yeah. So, uh, but thank you guys for the feedback as always. And as always, we encourage you to leave feedback. If you have any uh, easiest ways to do that, just go to revisitedpod.com and you're there. You'll find links on where to listen, subscribe, leave feedback, all that fun stuff. Or you can just email us directly to feedback at revisitedpod.com. Uh, recommendations for the week. Um, I thought it would be fun since we're approaching Christmas. If maybe we, no, I mean, we can recommend whatever we want, but in addition, maybe recommend a holiday movie as well. Okay. I got, I'm all ready to go. Are you ready? You go, you go first then. My regular recommendation is for you to go out and watch in the theaters, Ballads of Songbirds and Snakes. Okay, go see it. It's the best Hunger Games movie of the four uh, of the five. I'll fight you on it. I will. It was. I love this movie so much. It's my favorite movie of the year. And yes, that includes Oppenheimer, which I absolutely loved. This is my favorite. Oppenheimer is the best movie of the year, bar none. Ballads of Songbirds and Snakes is my favorite movie of the year. I loved it so much. If you want to talk to me about it, please privately message me, email me. I don't care. I love the movie. I love the book. I love everything about it. Okay, please go right now and go see that movie. Yes, it's almost three hours long, and I personally wanted it to be even longer. I want it. it oh, I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> okay, Christmas movie. My favorite Christmas movie of all time. I watch it every year. And if I don't watch it, it is not Christmas. It's just, I don't know why I love this movie so much. You're Do you know start- what movie it is? You're starting with the favorite? I was going to lead up to favorite as we get closer to Christmas. But if you no, want to start with favorite, you can start with favorite. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I just think that it's I. It's my favorite. It's my favorite one. Do you know what it is? Uh, I don't think I do. It is Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, then you know what? We're just going to share that one because that is. So I have my I have two traditions. I watch a bunch of holiday movies throughout the year, and I'll, I'll recommend a different one today. But since you use that one, I'll use a different one. Um, my the first movie I watch of the holiday season is always Die Hard. Yeah. 
And I always, always, it is tradition for me. It has been tradition for me for probably about 20 years now. Muppet Christmas Carol is the very last thing I watch Christmas Eve before I go to bed. I love Muppet Every Christmas year. Carol. And you know why it's so good? Because Michael Caine took that role seriously. Yeah. He yes, took he did. it seriously and it worked. <clears throat> the Muppets to him were not Muppets. They were actors. Oh my gosh. I there, There's just something so special about that. I don't like Muppets, okay? For people that don't know me, I don't like Muppets. Okay, I think they're creepy. Mm. I think they're weird. I don't understand it. Muppet Christmas Carol hits different. It is wonderful. The music is fantastic Mm -hmm. in that movie. The acting is fantastic. Story. Well, it's Dickens. I mean, it's well, right? Yeah, but they do it. They do it really well. You know, I mean, there are there are less successful versions of Christmas Carol, but I just think that. Muppet Christmas Carol is just, it's Christmas. And you should do yourself a favor, everybody out there listening, and go on YouTube and Google Brett Goldstein Muppet Christmas Carol. And you will see Brett Goldstein performing a one-man show of the Muppet Christmas Carol (laughs) (laughs) on stage at a charity event. Of course. And it is wonderful. It's only like like six minutes long, but it's worth every minute. Um, <laughs> so my my regular recommendation is I, I got totally sucked into this. I didn't think I would, but like I more than any other competition show I have ever watched, I found myself yelling and screaming and cursing at my TV more than any other competition show I've watched. And that is Squid Game The Challenge which is the actual television show, uh, the actual competition show of the TV show Squid Game on Netflix. Without the murder. Without the murder. Yes, exactly. Without the murder. And yeah, Um, I, I got so heated at times and like, I cannot express how much I yelled at my television watching the show Hmm. and they still, the finale doesn't air until this coming Wednesday. Hmm. So Netflix aired the first five and then they aired the next four a week later. And now we have to wait for episode 10, which is the finale to see the winner. So I don't even know who wins yet, but like, I God, I got so heated. Uh, as for my Christmas recommendation, Muppet Christmas Carol was going to be the one I was going to recommend closer to Christmas. And I still probably can again. Uh, but for this week, it's also Dickens, believe it or not. Uh, it's also a Christmas Carol, but it's spirited. I knew you were going to say that. I <laughs> knew it. I love this movie so much. The music is again like Muppets. It the music is fantastic. It could be a stage show. Hmm. It really. Have you seen it? Yeah. Okay. You're you're oddly quiet. I'm. I am not a fan. Okay. That's why I'm quiet. Okay. I don't like the end. Uh, oh, that, I think we've, we've talked had about this, this discussion. Yeah, yeah. We've had this discussion. Um, but but it, it, up until the end is fantastic. <laughs> it's, it's great. I, I, I love that. It. It, Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell are just amazing. And Michelle Lasso is in the movie, too. Oh, she it's is. Ryan Reynolds' sister. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Michelle Lasso. I forget the actress's name. That's okay. Um, yeah. 
but I have a couple others that will rec- that I'll recommend as we get a- as we approach closer to Christmas. I love Muppet Christmas Carol. Go watch it, but don't watch it before you watch Ballads of Songbirds and Snakes. <laughs> go Fair. go go watch that. Fair enough. Uh, any final notes before we head out? No. No. Mm-mm. Me neither. So. Yeah. Uh, so then with that being said, as always, thank you guys for being a part of this. Thank you for listening, subscribing, all that you guys do. But until next time, we'll see you on another episode and we'll see you out on the pitch. Take care. <laughs> Namaste, baby. You struggled hard with that one. <laughs>